Alexander Snitker, libertarian, Republican, and political hack, and Adrian Wiley, born-again anarchist and political has-been. Banter, blather, and joke about current events while attempting to figure out whether to keep trying to salvage our constitutional republic or just stock up on marshmallows to roast on the smoldering embers of society. It's time for Unattended Baggage. Why, thank you, Ledge. Hello, everyone in Podcastville or Internet Land or wherever you may reside. This is Alex, co-host, Unattended Baggage. Along with me is my radio life mate, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Adrian, chairman of the Building Materials Projectile Staging and Logistics Committee to Western Florida Guild of Professional Anarchists, Local Chapter 151. Wiley, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, man. How about yourself? Doing all right, man. How's the teeth working for you? Uh, they're uh, working a little better. A little better. Takes every, like every week, you've noticed that you get a little it's, bit better. Yeah, it's 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 a you know it, it's a process, but I'm getting a little better. Was able to uh, uh, eat a little bit of Thanksgiving, so that was good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe now I'll stop wasting away to nothing. Yeah, you know, I weigh 205 pounds. I haven't seen 205 since I was in my 20s. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, I did actually accomplish um, something on my lifelong bucket list uh, this Thanksgiving. What was that? I got my mom totally high. Oh, did you? <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, got some, uh, you know, in Florida, uh, the Delta 9, yeah. the hemp-derived THC is now 100% legal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you can buy it without, you know, and it's, you know, so I've been getting that stuff. Um, and uh, I, you know, I my mom said she didn't sleep last night, hadn't been sleeping well and all that. And, I said, well, here, let me help you out. And she was like, no, 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 I don't do that. I haven't done that since I was a kid, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, so I said, here, look, it's a little syrup. Let me pour a little bit in water for you and give it to you. And so uh, she finally said, all right, I'll give it a try. Then she drinks it down. And, you know, 15 minutes later, she's just giggling, laughing and happy and, you know, hung out for, for a while after that. And then she goes home later that night. She texts me like, I hate this. This is terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm never doing this again. And I'm like, so I texted her back, just ride the dragon, mom. <laughs> just ride the dragon. Yeah, and I told her, look, you're fine. Just, just relax and enjoy it. And uh, she did sleep for 11 hours that night. So she, nice. was, she was very happy about that. But she uh, woke up, did she wake, wake up feeling nice and refreshed? Yeah, yeah. So, you know. Oh, it worked out for her then. Yeah, I, I think when she got home, she just, you know, the little paranoia bug started kicking in on yeah, her. Yeah, no, know? I know how that can happen sometimes <laughs> so, where you start feeling that way. But yeah, yeah. Got my mom. I peer pressured. Uh, my sister and I actually peer pressured her into, uh, you know, all the cool kids are doing it type thing. Nice. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it worked. <laughs> so Glad it worked for her, though. Yeah. How about you? You have an interesting week? Um, yeah, I mean, it, look, you know, Thanksgiving was Thanksgiving, you know, nothing crazy going on. So, but I did want to have, I, there was a, you know, I was doing Uber this week, of course, and there was one ride in particular. It was, uh, the night, the night of Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving evening. Okay. I, th- I think it was Thanksgiving. Yeah, it was Thanksgiving evening. And I pick up a guy in off of West shore and he's going all the way to Reddington shores. Okay. So it's a long ways. But it's pretty late at night, not a lot of traffic and stuff. Okay. Guy gets in the car. He's pretty drunk at this point. Mm-hmm. Just one guy. You right. Know, just gets in the car. He's he's probably been his probably uh, mid-50s. Okay. But I think as a special, like as a operator, like he's a guy that works special forces. So. Okay. All like right. he's, he, and he, I, I think he's still doing it. All right. And again, he could be lying for all I know, but, yeah. that, and that's not really the point of the story. But, so we start driving. And he's like, hey, I want to you know, hear some music, man. I want to hear some music. Right. He's like, let's play some Led Zeppelin. 
All right. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> I can do that. And so, you know, we turn on the first song, and I, I don't even remember what the name of the first song was. I think it was, I don't remember which Zeppelin song it was, but he's like, turn it up, turn it real, you know, turn it up loud. And right. then, you know, the, 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 the Tesla's, the stereo system in Tesla's really good. Right. And so we jam out the entire way <laughs> right. to, to, this, to this station, which plays Zeppelin and songs like Zeppelin. Right, right. And it was just one of those rides where, like, I don't normally turn up the radio loud, especially with stuff I like, because some people get in the car and want to turn up loud, and they're playing, like, today's hip-hop and stuff, and this is just not my bag. Right. But this guy wants but to hear... But the customer is always right. Yeah. But this guy wants to hear Zeppelin and stuff like that. And so we play songs, and every song, he's like, oh, this is the best, this is the best, this is the best. <laughs> and we finally end, like, we get over to the place. Well, and he wanted to start complaining about politics, and he was like, I told Biden to fuck off, and this and this, and blah, 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 whatever. And he, you know, hates Biden and hates all this other stuff. Wait, he, he told him personally? That's what he said. Hmm, yeah. I guess he called him because he's a special ops guy or yeah, whatever. Yeah, no, he's full of shit. Probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I, and I now, didn't, after, after hearing that, I doubt he's special ops at all. Probably yeah. not. Probably not. <laughs> but what I but what was, what was cool, though, was, again, I, as soon as he did that, I was like, well, he's a he wants to hear music. So I find the next song and it comes up and he loves it. And so I turn it back up and that way he can shut up and, right. you know, and <laughs> yeah. we're just singing along to songs and stuff like that. And the, the last song we're getting to near his place is um, Bob Dylan's version of Knocking on Heaven's Door. Okay. You know, the original. Yeah. Right. And uh, what a, just an apropos song to start to end a ride with. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And so, like, it was just a cool ride. Like, it was just one of those things where because he was like, "Oh, this is the greatest Uber ride ever," and, <laughs> and I'm like, "Look, it takes two to tango, man." And you know, you were a great passenger, and he ended up tipping me like 15 bucks or something like that, which was you know, nice. it was yeah. ended up being a pretty pretty you know, the, the ride itself cost a little bit of money just because of the distance, right? But then also with the tip added to it, it actually worked out pretty well. And then I actually gave another ride. Oh, I guess this mentions. So I pick up a woman on the north part of Clearwater Beach, like where the houses are at, right? Yeah, and. She's coming out, really attractive woman, by the way, but all by herself. But she's been drinking, her car's there, but she doesn't want to take the car. She just wants to get home. But she comes out with a plate of food. Right. And I was like, you want me to put that in the trunk? That way you don't you know, spill it or anything? She's like, oh, no, no, no. I'm very conscientious of the food, right? So the second she sits down in the back, she drops that fucking thing. <laughs> Without Jeez. fail. Right. She's got mayonnaise going down her boot, inside the boot. And <laughs> there's some shit on the floor. The floor wasn't that bad. It was just, you know, like right. turkey sandwiches and stuff. And so I was like, no, sit up front. You know, like I'll clean up this stuff in the back. So I clean up all the stuff in the back. And she's so sorry and apologetic. And it's like, I'll tip you, I'll tip you. Right. And I'm like, you know, cool. I appreciate that. <clears throat> I asked her how she I was doing. And she had been drinking. And then I told her about the ride I just had. She's like, well, I want to hear some music. And so she starts wanting to play some stuff. So we're playing that loud. She's in the passenger seat dancing. Not very well, by the way. She was a bad, <laughs> like a bad, like sitter dancer. Like yeah, she wasn't well. dancing well. But we How were much at, can you groove in a car seat? You know? Yeah, but she couldn't do, well, she couldn't do it very much. Right. And um, so we're, you know, we're talking and, and playing music and stuff and having a good time. And I ended up taking her. She didn't have to go nearly as far as the other person did, even though it was a lot down the beach, though. Like it was down Gulf Boulevard. You know what I mean? Like, you went down a, a good ways. Okay, well, I have to say, you haven't had a really exciting Uber story in No, a while. they've been a lot, they've yeah, been a lot more boring bland. lately. Yeah. No, no, no. They've been a lot more boring you, you lately. You need to go back to, uh, you know, it, it, it stop doing the, uh, what is it, it, what are you doing, the XL or the Premier rides or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, you need to go back to the, you know, the uh, the cheap seat rides. No, no, <laughs> You get no. a lot more interesting stories that way. Yeah, I know, yeah. but I just, they suck. There's too many, too much suckage there. Yeah. Hey, speaking of interesting stories. Yes. 
did you uh well i i know that you you heard about uh, sam alton getting fired this week yeah so then- the only thing that i know about this story is the guy from uh last weekend yeah, I think it was uh, a week ago Friday. Yeah, so the last the last weekend, the guy that ran ChatGPT, which is called OpenAI, right. the CEO was fired. Right, right. Instantly, he was hired back up by Microsoft, and then out of nowhere, the board changed their mind and hired him back. Okay. So I know the very base-level story on this one, right? but based off of the show notes today, oh, yeah. you have a ton of information on well, this one. Well, I really wanted to know, because here's the thing. OpenAI firing Sam Altman it would be uh, equivalent to Microsoft firing Bill Gates, Apple firing Steve Jobs, um, you know, it, it, Amazon firing Bezos, you know, those sort of level things. Yeah. So it's a big deal. All right. And the way that it went down just seems so bizarre to me that I really wanted to start looking into it. So what I found out is. Uh, OpenAI is a, a nonprofit company, essentially. Oh, okay? really? Yeah, they are actually a, a nonprofit. Uh, well, it's it's a nonprofit that that runs like a a limited for profit company. Okay, it's it's a weird structure, but essentially it's a nonprofit. Do you okay? know why they're doing that? Yeah, because uh, their goal is uh, you know t- supposed to be for the betterment of mankind. A lot of people who are on the board. Um, you know, have the the belief that AI can radically change the world, and they did in a positive way. In a positive way, and some of them are actually believe in AI for social justice and social equality, even if it disrupts society completely. Okay, so there's a you know a lot of that type of mentality uh, involved in OpenAI. But the interesting thing is why uh, Altman originally got fired. Now. Apparently, uh, Altman and uh, his uh, his you know basically the whole company, um, plus his two co-founders, uh, were working on a new uh, large language model. Okay, basically, and as we know, currently Chat GPT four is the most advanced, at least publicly available AI on the planet. Right? Okay, okay. Um, they were working on the next generation of that. Now it it was called. Q star, okay, letter Q and an asterisk. So the the name of it is Q star, and apparently there was some type of major breakthrough. All right, major major breakthrough with AI. Um, and what happened is is that uh, apparently Altman wasn't briefing the board on what was going what was going on. Um, now, Ilya Sutskever, who is one of the other co-founders and, and the, the OpenAI chief scientist, went to the board and told them about this breakthrough. Apparently, Sam Alton didn't want to let him know. So uh, Sutskever uh, goes to the board and tells them what they've developed. And the board freaks out. And they use language like dangerous, terrifying, a threat to humanity. Okay. But in internal documents, not in something that. Right. Yeah. Internally, internal, they're talking about that. And, and, and this isn't the reason that they put out. Well, everything I'm telling you um, has been pieced together uh, from news sources, uh, open uh, intelligence sources, things that various players in this have tweeted or said online or, um, you know, 
said like, you've discerned this information from some various sources but nothing yes. like official I've, I've had to do a lot of investigation to put all this these pieces of the puzzle together and i may not be getting the story exactly right but at this point i believe the gist of this story is is correct okay okay so um Susk- uh, Suskiver, uh goes to the board and they immediately uh call altman up and fire him okay that's why he got fired because a this breakthrough was was apparently so groundbreaking and so terrifying to the board and the fact that altman was lying to them about it you know he wasn't keeping them advice that his his partner essentially was concerned enough to go to the board and they fire him immediately yeah okay now so microsoft is a major investor uh, funder i should say since it's a nonprofit of open ai okay yeah but they don't have any seats on the board so sam altman is fired at this point and uh, uh the following day or the following work day um 505 employees of the company write a letter to the board saying that if altman's gone we're gone Oof, uh. and essentially this is it would be it would kill the company i mean it would just destroy it Almost simultaneously, Microsoft says, we'll hire Altman and everybody from OpenAI. Okay. So essentially, OpenAI was about to be completely absorbed, uh, you know, brain drained by Microsoft. All right. Uh, so the board is now in a position like, okay, we can't let this kill the company. Um, so they offered Altman his job back and the entire board is now gone okay oh so the whole board is gone the whole board is gone i i think one person was left behind and the entire board which was made up of computer scientists and people who are uh, heavily involved in uh, ensuring safe development of ai and ethics and things like that um they're all gone okay the new board is comprised uh, almost exclusively of Big business people, politicians, okay, uh, like Larry Summers, uh, Clinton's Treasury Secretary. Oh, Jesus. Is now on the board. Oh, boy, that's right. not good. Um, and Microsoft is most likely going to get a couple seats on the board, okay? And Altman is back as CEO. All right. Now, this clearly was some huge shakeup. Clearly, this was something that was absolutely groundbreaking. So I wanted to find out what this major breakthrough was and why it terrified uh you know the entire board so bad it terrified you know uh one of the the co-founders of open ai to the point where he routed ratted out his partner you know and it at first now the guy that ratted him out is he still there too yeah and at first he was going to be the interim ceo okay um and then they decided to bring someone else it was whole convoluted thing too but he ended up turning around after the microsoft potential brain drain was going to happen and said no okay we have to get altman back all right uh essentially to save the company um but when he came back they had a party for him and he didn't show up okay the the co-founder uh uh um so anyway um what was the breakthrough what happened and man, this has been very difficult to piece together because they're really not talking about it. So what I've had to do 
is go and find some of the things that the various partners and and chief scientists and engineers at at OpenAI have said recently, some of the scientific papers that they've put out, and just, you know, putting together the pieces. And what it appears that they've achieved is um, what's called test time compute and a verification system. Now, large language models are very good at communicating, speaking in English. Yeah. What is a large language model? It's essentially that's what ChatGTP is, uh, GBT. Um, so, for example, kind of how it works is it uses all the information it finds out there in the Internet and the world and all the data that it's a, acquired to learn how to communicate with people and provide information that it can find out there. Okay. However, one of the problems that it has is it's sometimes inaccurate. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, um, if you were saying... I was walking down the, okay, what's the likely next word? Street. Okay. Uh, Could be stairs. Could be trail. You know, could could be a lot of different things. But most likely, it's the word street. So these large language models go out there throughout all the world and say, okay, well, this, and this is a very basic, you know, explanation Mm -hmm. here. Um, But if you were to ask it to solve a complex math problem, the odds of it getting it right are very small. Because there's no specific data set for, you know, unless somewhere out there on the Internet is that exact math problem um, that you want solved, it's going to have a hard time doing that. Okay. It's very good at collecting data and organizing it and find patterns when it has the data. But that more abstract concept of, you know, doing complex math, you know, an LLM, a large language model or a chat GPT, it's not a calculator. You know, it works in a different way than that. Um, so one of the things that they were trying to do is figure out how to make these AIs better at math to have their solutions a lot better. So in some scientific papers put together recently that I found a lot of the guys involved in this project were talking about ways of doing that. So what they did is they essentially, I, I believe at this point. This yeah, because you're still kind of speculating. I'm here. speculating, but it's it's based on it's, information you've gotten from yeah, various yeah. players within the realm. Exactly. It looks like they taught uh, QSTAR, this new AI, which hasn't been released in the public yet, um, how to solve complex problems by putting out millions or billions of guesses. So it makes its best guesses based on the information it has. But then they figured out they could create these separate models that are verification models, okay, that are tied into the same AI. And what those verification models do is simultaneously check all those guesses for what's the highest probability of being true. And this is kind of an oversimplification. And then all those different verification models – uh, take a vote on what's the most accurate, okay? And then if they find that that is ultimately correct, they lock in that process. So essentially, it's teaching And all this it, is happening instantaneously. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's happening exceptionally fast. And uh, essentially, so... Faster than it took you to explain it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, much faster. Um, so what that breakthrough means is that essentially... These AIs cannot just learn from data. These AIs now have the ability 
to reason in the absence of any additional data. So they actually have the ability to create these logical um, concepts and constructs and think in the abstract uh, without the need to have some type of actual data set to learn from. So by essentially trial and error and then these verification models trying to figure out what is the best guess, I mean, it might make a trillion guesses on something, and these verification models all say, okay, does that seem right? Does that seem right? Why does that seem right? And then they are using this thing called uh, – uh, what's it called exactly? Uh, it's – anyway, it's, it's a process by which it's like what were you thinking is essentially – the, the concept of it. So once it comes to the concept that it's found a correct answer, what it believes is a correct answer, it says, okay, sh- what is the path I took to get there? How did I come up with this solution? And if that works here, how can I apply it to other things? Okay. Now this sounds in the weeds, but once an AI has the ability to learn not just from raw data, and not just using statistical analysis of, of raw data, but to actually learn new ways of thinking mm-hmm. in abstract part, uh, patterns, that's an AGI. Okay, that's They may have achieved AGI already. What's which AGI? Is, uh, artificial general intelligence. It's considered human, essentially, intelligence. The capability to think like a human. Okay, and they they may have just achieved that, and which is a major breakthrough. It's a major breakthrough, I, and it, because it, the AI stuff is no matter what. And this like is before, something we thought was ten, twenty years away. Yeah, you know, um, I always thought it was probably five years away. You know, but apparently we may have actually hit it, and that's just the the speculation part. I don't know that that alone would have terrified or caused the board members to actually say, you know, this is a threat to humanity because that is what they were working toward. So it seems very unlikely to me that if this is at least part of the breakthrough that Altman and his team had, it seems unlikely that that's all of it. But that is most likely at least some of it, because you have a company that said their goal is to get to AGI. And if that's all Altman did was achieved that level of AGI, then they were he got where they wanted to go. Exactly. Then why fire? him? Right. Well, it, part of it was because he was lying to him about it. But why would he lie to him about achieving the goal of the company, essentially? Yeah. So there's something more there that scared the shit out of everyone. And we don't know what it is. And we know that Microsoft wanted it very, very badly. Which is why they're funding this thing to begin with. Well, yeah, they've, they've been funding it for this, this reason. But now they're like immediately they said, we'll hire Sam, we'll hire everybody in the company. And now they want seats on the board. You know, So something has happened. And, and the entire existing board of director who was – they were focused on – When were all on, those people fired? Or when did all those people resign? Wednesday, I think. Okay, so it's, yeah, so this is this has all happened across the the past. All this happened week. in the past week. In yeah. The, yeah, this is all of this has happened in a week. Yeah, you know? um, but uh, 
Yeah, they fired him for, quote, a communication breakdown. But the rumors are Altman lied to the board about the breakthrough. Um, uh, and I'm reading now from my notes here. Uh, OpenIA co-founder, chief scientist uh, Ilya uh, Suskiver went to the board to advise him the danger, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, a threat to humanity. So that's that's really terrifying. Um, and this is actually um, a, Reut- a Reuters article. Uh, OpenIA researchers warned board of AI breakthrough ahead of CEO Ouster. And I'll just read from the article. And they did touch on it a little here, but they didn't really find the details. Ahead of OpenAI CEO Sam Altman's four-day exile, several staff researchers wrote a letter to the board of directors warning of a powerful artificial intelligence discovery that they said could threaten humanity. Two people familiar with the matter told Reuters. So, yeah, this is whatever is going on here. It is at least some people. And these aren't people who, like, you know, like me sitting on yeah, the they're outside. they're not novices. They're inside. Yeah. They know what's going on. They understand the technology. Right. Most of them are in some way dealing with it and oh, supporting it. These are the high-level engineers <laughs> building it. Yeah. And if it scared them that bad, it's got to be bad. Um, so... It, it, so is Altman a good guy or a bad guy in this? He he could go either way. Um, you know, he he's warned about the danger, but he just keeps doing it anyway. He's like Musk in that regard. Musk is warned about the danger of it, but just keeps doing it every way. Anyway, and it's like these, these companies are all waiting for the government to swoop in and regulate them. It's like the government doesn't know what the hell this is. They don't have the ability to. Oh, God, to, if you've ever listened to a, a congressional hearing on Facebook, right? they don't even understand yeah. that. Interesting thing from Facebook also happened this week. And this is, there's so much weird going on in the AI world. Facebook's uh, parent company, Meta, just dissolved its responsible AI team just gone and what what this team was um is uh basically the team dedicated to regulating the safety of its artificial intelligence ventures um and they all they, they've disbanded that division and they've sent all everybody else into development of ai so instead of focusing on the safety and ethics of developing ai facebook just said nope we're not going to worry about that anymore. We just want you developing it. What does that mean, though? Right. Right. Exactly. And like, this, it doesn't mean that they're not being responsible, but it's but at the same time, the board that they had to oversee that, they just got rid of. So what does that mean? Right. Right. So, again, that's <laughs> you, you have had a shakeup this week in AI. And the really interesting thing is, is what did we talk about last week? What did I say was China's objective in meeting with Biden? Getting into getting their hooks in US AI technology. Yeah. Now what else happened this week? Nvidia announced that it was delaying the shipment of chips that they were specifically making for China for China's AI systems. Okay? Now, the uh the overt reason for this is that nvidia was having problems with integration into servers okay however the underlying the covert reason that people are you know talking about behind the scenes is that the government came in and said nope china's not getting those chips okay and this is all happening at the same this all happened this week 
Yeah, all this happened at the so same time. So you got the whole Altman major breakthrough that terrified a threat to humanity. Microsoft trying to swoop in and failing. The board uh, of... Well, not really failing, though. Well, kind of, yeah. <laughs> they tried to take it over themselves, but now they have representation on the board because they've been funding OpenAI for a long time. Yeah. Um, you have Facebook disbanding its you know ethical and responsible AI team. And you have NVIDIA saying, we're not sending China the chips. And the rumor mill is saying that the government told them that ain't happening. So, and again... All this was right after Biden agreed to com, uh, to cooperate with China on AI development. Damn, I mean, it, it, there's shit going on. But I think we, I, I think we might have hit the singularity this week. I think we actually may have, uh, you know, hit uh, artificial general intelligence. You know, and that is again, it could be the most wonderful thing in the world, or it could be the beginning and the end of humanity. Yeah, I mean, think about this. All right, you've got now. If this is true, and it appears to be true, it's at least there's a lot of evidence pointing in that direction. Yeah. So if this uh, Q star AI is as powerful as it appears to be, it could probably figure out advanced physics, advanced chemistries. Uh, you know, advance everything far better than any human being alive or any group of human beings. It also, as it continues to go through this reason pathway, is probably going to develop human type objectives. You know, mm-hmm. now keep in mind that for a few years now, AI systems have been writing code, okay, computer programming. So a lot of people will say, well, so it is. It's an AI. It it lives in a box. We just turn off the box if it gets too out of control and we're done. Okay. Well, you have to understand that we're getting to the point now where AI systems can write their own code. I mean, AI is being used to write malware. AI is being used to defend against malware. Okay. I use AI systems for my clients uh, as part of cybersecurity. You know, it's. It's very common out there, and they literally write their own code, okay? So if, if you do have this incredibly advanced AI with general human intelligence, um, there's only one step left because it would have reasonably the capability to write code and to create code that it, it could effectively become malware. So, and again, you've seen this in sci-fi movies, but today it is true this could happen that it could actually essentially write a, a worm, a virus, uh, some type of malware that goes out and infects computers so that if it make a, a botnet army, so to speak. Yeah, so there's no box. A distributed processing uh, grid, uh, a, a web of, of computers that it could reside on. Um, and, uh, you know, distributed computing is all over the place. It's being used... Uh, for scientific stuff and and crypto mining and things like that all the time. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't be much of a jump for this thing to escape the box, so to speak. So it it, it would be very easy for an AGI to no longer reside in a box. And it would simultaneously effectively reside everywhere. Like a Skynet. Yeah, exactly. We literally have today the capability of creating a Skynet, 
an honest-to-God Skynet. It would live on your refrigerator. It would live on your phone. It would live on your Fitbit. It would live in every PC, every laptop, everywhere. You know, yeah, little bits of pieces of it that were a distributed, uh, you know, network, a neural network. You know, uh, so yeah, it's uh, whatever happened this week in the AI world. It's it's something that everyone should pay attention to because it, it, it this could be so big that we might be looking back at this <laughs> if we're around in ten or twenty years, and people are going to be doing documentaries on the events of this week yeah you know it, it's going to be you know a history channel if if we live long enough to write the history <sighs> you know but uh yeah just uh, some crazy stuff but uh yeah it, it just uh it's amazing that these incredibly brilliant people are willing to take those risks you know i mean what do you think the rationale is for it like they don't think they're going to end the world or do you think that they are thinking that? I, some of them absolutely think that. I mean, look what just happened. Some of them were willing to, you know, lose their jobs and uh, destroy a company because they thought that whatever this breakthrough was at OpenAI was. But a they brought them back right away. So like it doesn't even. I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but like they brought them back but right their away. Their thinking was that it would be better to have some. And again, I, I'm totally speculating here. Um, but like uh, for for some of the OpenAI people. Maybe their thinking was it would be better that we were handling it instead of Microsoft, instead of Google, instead of, uh, you know, Meta. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Who have, well, they did. Now now there's like, because they fired the board, There's all the backstops are gone. All the people who were the type to say, wait a second, that could be bad. Let's slow down. Let's figure this out. You know, uh, let's police ourselves. Um, they're all gone now. So the floodgates are open. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see where this goes, but, uh, I'm, I'm personally not very optimistic because, uh, you so know, you think after the way it went down, things are worse, not better. Oh, thing, yes. Yes. Absolutely. Without question. Things so in, are this, way worse. in that aspect that, 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 that Altman is not the good guy necessarily in this one. No, no. And all indications are that Altman is a liar and a manipulator and has his own agenda and you know he, he's i i don't know what his motives are but the people around him don't trust his motives so that's that's was a pretty common thing among people who know him yeah but he won though i mean he won the battle at the end of the day yeah he won the battle well, and here's the thing microsoft was hired i mean the, i always thought the really weird part was if you did something that was that bad then but Microsoft that, wouldn't just hire you. But that's not necessarily everyone's perspective. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because I think you've got a lot of people that are their exclusive thought is we can make a so much money and gain so much power with this thing. Yeah. And, like we're and, the first ones out the gate. Yeah. We, so we so own it. Money and power. Uh, no, this is if this is what I think it is, this goes beyond making a lot of money. You know what I'm saying? This could, again, this could topple governments. You know, it's it's that level of thing. You know, yeah. This is this is the kind of thing that, if if it is what I think it is, uh, will replace governments, will replace entire sectors of industry. You know, there'll just be no need for them anymore. You think this is what this could be? Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. I, I think they've achieved artificial general intelligence. I think they've achieved what can... And again, I don't know the, the extent of the breakthrough, but I, I think they're probably very close to or have hit that something that is undeniably consciousness. Yeah. Or at least the ability to become conscious. Yeah. I think we're there. I think we hit it. And people were saying, you know, this is 20, 30 years away. And I was saying it's going to be a lot quicker than that. And, it, and, if and it's even true, quicker than what you said. It's, it's quicker than I thought. Yeah. So, but uh, anyway, uh, that's, uh, that's that story. I will definitely keep an eye on it and I'll, uh, I'll keep you folks posted if I learn anything else. But uh, yeah, this is a uh, look into it. It's, this is uh, uh, quite an interesting story going on here. It sounds like it. Yeah. All right. So there's another really big story this week that came out, and that was from Argentina. And what happened was is that they had an election down in Argentina, and a guy by the name of Javier Malay or Malay won. Now he and again it's so weird because like different like different outlets and different media sources call him different things. He describes himself as an anarcho-capitalist. Okay, and that is a complete oxymoron because he's the president of a country now. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can't be an anarcho-anything and run a government. <laughs> you know? So he had an election against this guy by the name of Sergio Massa, and he won 55 to 44%. Like, he won he won big. And in, in this election, it was considered big. And he called, and they, you know, they call him that libertarian outsider, um, matter of fact, let me read from the article a little bit. Libertarian outsider um, Javier Malay swept swept to victory in Argentina's presidential election Sunday, vowing to halt decades of economic decline in a country reeling from triple-digit inflation. So currently, right now, Argentina's got horrible inflation. Their central bank is is just printing money like it's going out of style. Right. Um, they've defaulted on all the loans that they've gotten, or multiple loans that they've gotten from the IMF. That they're just that their economy is in is in shambles basically, right, right? And because it's so bad, they're like, well, we're going to elect a libertarian then, I guess, right? Well, and this guy, look, this guy has been a I look. There's a lot of libertarians that are calling this like a huge victory for you know libertarianism. And yeah, I, I would say at best this guy has libertarian tendencies, but I don't think you can call him a libertarian. Um, look, I think he when seems it comes to some of the right on a lot of things. Well, yeah, but I think when it comes to the spending and the government and stuff like that, yeah, he's, right. I mean, don't get me wrong. The one thing he wants to do is to get rid of their central bank and to peg their entire economy to the U.S. dollar, right? Which, Actually, use the U.S. dollar as their official currency. Yeah, yeah. Which one in one aspect, hey, good on you. But right. in another aspect, you're only trading one central bank for another central bank. Yeah, but you're trading one for a more stable central bank. That's true. Yeah. No, that's true. So in that aspect. You know, it works out pretty well, but I guess. How, how did I, I want to know how that works functionally? Uh, because if your your currency is so inflated, and you have to use your existing currency to buy U.S. dollars in order to replace the currency, um, you're going to have to print a lot more money, which is going to inflate the currency more. I mean, it's like how, how do you get to the point where people want to exchange your worthless currency for U.S. dollars, which have quote unquote value? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how you. Here's the thing. I don't know how, I don't know how you off. necessarily do that, but this guy is basically going to be what they're considered to be shock treatment for the um, for Argentina. Right. Now, the thing about it is this, though. So he was elected, 
but the party that he represents does not hold a majority in the legislative bodies. The the the, the right. legislative bodies are still going to be mostly controlled by the parties that he just defeated. Right. So there's he's going to be limited in what he can do actually. Right. Um but it does it, it it's one of those things where it, it seems like he was an, an economist kind of guy. And I actually think he's like a Mises guy. Like he's one of these, he's that that's the kind of guy that he is. Um, he's a 53 year old uh, economist. And again, this is, let's see. I'm, I want to make sure I say it right. So Malay 53 year old economist with wild hair and thick sideburns has drawn comparisons with us former, with former us president, Donald Trump and Brazil's, uh, Bolsonaro for his ab- abrasive style and controversial remarks. Now, to try to lump him in with those two people is just a little bit misleading. Why? The reason why is is that this guy's talking about eliminating agencies like in mass. Right. This guy's talking about like not allowing the central bank. You know, he's he's mad because they keep printing money and printing money. So on the on the and he's an economist and he's like he's a he, again if you're considering yourself an anarcho capitalist you're not like Trump no because no. Trump's nothing like that and you're not Bolsonaro like they're trying to equate him to him in order to kind of lump him in the same category right where I think that there's a lot of look he does have an abrasive style that's true yeah you know what I mean he does has made some controversial remarks but the controversial remarks he's making is not the same as the one that Trump's or Bolsonaro's making. Well, that that's the trend in the world right now. That's the kind of politicians people want. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Again, it's probably because of social media that drove people there, but uh, that's the the type of people that will win going forward. Yeah. You know? So he wants to, I guess, that, that right now Argentina has a, a good, um, like a, a really thick um, or a really tight, um, what's the word for it, uh, uh, partnership with both China and Brazil. He wants to get rid of those things. He doesn't want to do business with communists, is what he says. Which he's going to be able. To, he's still going to have to work with them a little bit. But at the same time, he wants to bolster the relationship that he has with the United States a lot. That's right. one other thing that he wants to be able to do. Um, now, which I'm sure the U.S. is uh, in fully support of, and may actually, if if that's his objective, may actually help him in converting his uh, his currency to U.S. dollar. Yeah. Now I don't know if 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 that benefits us or not. Um, definitely creates more demand for dollars, so that's always a good thing. I mean, thing. it does help. Yeah. So so uh, Malay is against abortion. He's insulted Pope Francis, questioned the death toll under Argentina's brutal dictatorship, and says humans are not causing climate change. So he's a little bit of a mixed bag in some aspects, especially the abortion thing. But I think at the overall, he's kind of like a live-and-let-live person. It's like if you want to live your life however you want to live it, you can. Um, he took to the stage in his campaign wielding a powered-up chainsaw to symbolize the drastic cuts he plans to make to the bloated state. So he wants to eliminate so many agencies in, in, in the government, which, again, that ultimately I think that's a good thing, but I think that's also why they're calling him a dictator because he wants to get rid of those agencies, and they're considering that to be a, yeah, a dictator. I, <laughs> well, look, there's a lot of people on the left that when you see somebody from the right say, I want to get rid of these agencies, what they're thinking in their mind is that They're consolidating person, power as opposed to eliminating power. Yes. Yeah. So you get... You, you're Which getting, could be. I mean, it, it could be, but if you're not making something else, then how are you consolidating the power? Look, li- libertarians are great until they get into power and then there's just as a much probability that they become dictators as anybody else 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could be. And again, look, this guy's definitely a charismatic guy, and he's a little ex- he's eccentric and all this other stuff. So, like, there's a lot going on there with him personally that, I mean, maybe this is how you get elected. Again, you don't get elected by being boring like us. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> right. You know, then that's the sad part is that you need something like this in order to get somebody elected instead of somebody that just will, you know, come out there and professorily or whatever the word is, the way you were, um, explain the problem and explain what you what the solution would be. Right. And to do it without a fucking chainsaw, I guess. Yeah. People are far too stupid for that. Obviously. Yeah. So but this guy was able to break through. Um, and again, libertarians around the world are, you know, like you super happy about it. And, um, I, you know, and again, it's one of these things where. Like I'm kind of happy, but at the same time, I'm kind of nervous. Well, we'll see. I, I I would I would call it cautious optimism. Yeah, you know, we'll see what he actually does, what he actually accomplishes, and you know whether he actually does turn into a dictator or not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also look, he's going to be, and he's already being completely attacked by the media. That you know, there's a certain grouping of the media that is you know thinking that Hitler got put in charge. Right. Right. When in all reality, listen. This guy's not Hitler, no. you know, like, and, no. the cons- and, and the constant comparisons to Hitler is just so tiring. I'm so oh, no. sick of hearing it over and over again, you know, like, especially like with 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 Trump of like, you know, when he gets an office, you know, we get an office the next time he's going to he's going to like Joe Scarborough is like, he's going to kill people like what? Like, are you see, like you're you're only drawing more people to him. Yeah. Like with your with your outlandish claims and stuff like that, and like here's the thing, and it, with Scarborough is a funny thing. When he was running in 2016, he was going on Scarborough's show. Like honestly, right. Scarborough, you're just a little butthurt is really what it comes down to. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you're a little butthurt because you were part of the political class, and he's coming after you. Look, here's the thing: that democracy <laughs> is dying uh, worldwide. It's dying here in America uh, right now. Uh, just under 50 percent of the American people don't believe that democracy works anymore. They want a different political system. And 40% of the American people want an, a more authoritarian system. They, uh, in, in fact, uh, what was I reading here? Um, just a second here. Um, yeah, 18% of Americans are highly disposed to authoritarian uh, authoritarianism. Um, and a further 23% or so are just one step below them on the authoritarian scale. Uh, roughly 40% of Americans tend to favor authority, obedience, and uniformity over freedom, independence, and diversity. So when you have that trend going, I mean, it wasn't long this, that long ago in this country. It didn't matter which side of the political fence you were on. Um, pretty much everyone agreed on freedom independence you know diversity things like that mm-hmm. um and it, it, it now it's to the point where 40 percent of americans don't necessarily think that's a good idea by the same token um even though a lot of people would correct you when you said we have a democracy is they'd say it's a republic which technically true but the concept of uh democratically electing uh, officials used to be sacrosanct you know, that was something that everyone could agree on. Now you've got 49% of the American people who say, you know, I don't know if democracy works anymore. Yeah, Maybe we want need the, something they want different. Their, they want their side to rule. Right. And so when you when you take, you know, 49% of the American people saying democracy is no good anymore, and then 40% wanting 
a more authoritarian system. We're on the path to a dictatorship. You know, it's it's a direction we're going. It's it's going to happen. Um, and uh, well, and here's the thing, though: each side is pointing to the other side that they're the ones that want to be the dictators, right? You and and they're both right. Yeah. yeah, they're both right. And the irony is, is we will, in the relatively near future, have a dictatorship in this country. It's just not going to be a human in, in charge. <laughs> <laughs> you think AI will be more benevolent? It'll start out that way. <laughs> just just like a libertarian getting in office. They sound great when they start out, but eventually they're sending you to camps. <laughs> no matter what, you're going to the no camps. No matter what. Yeah. And this is why, again, folks, uh, you know, I, I, I've spent my entire life thinking about these things and, and trying to draw them out to their logical concu- conclusion. And the only conclusion I ever get to is that power structures in themselves are the problem and any time that one individual one group one non-human entity has power over others it it always inevitably ends in a disaster for those not in power you know i mean so the only way to ever solve anything is to destroy all power structures you know yeah because well and again look back to this point again though is that both sides at this point are pointing towards the other side to say they're going to be the problems and we'll save you. Right. And the other side saying the exact same thing is that we're going to save you, but it's the saving part that ends up being the problem. Well, and you're right. It's, yeah. it's the look, listen, because things are it's so it's so easy for the polarization to happen when there is a perceived of so much at stake when it comes to control and power and stuff like when you have these legislative bodies that are just trying to exert control over you right then you and again i start you start seeing it like on facebook and stuff and and what people are saying of like if you're if you're even going to vote for this guy i don't want to talk to you right if you're going to vote for this guy then i don't i don't have anything to do i don't want anything right. to do. you're othering each other right off the bat yep which means that no matter what after this next election in 2024 there's going to be riots in the streets and it depends on who wins as to who's going to riot yeah yeah. Like, it's not going to matter. Well, like, if somebody wins and somebody's going to riot, if the other person wins, then some of the other people are going to riot. I just hope that it uh, disintegrates into all-out civil war uh, with both sides killing each other in mass. And in the meantime, I'm going to sell weapons and snacks on the sidelines weapons to both sides. Snacks. Yeah. <laughs> Donuts, AR-15s. <laughs> Get them both while they're hot. <laughs> you know, uh, because really the, the reality of the situation is the best thing that could happen is for all those people that feel that way to fight each other to the death. You know, I, you know, I and just, then all the rest of us who just want to, you know, live our own lives and get along with our neighbors. And, you know, <laughs> that's about it. Uh, we'll be left to rebuild society. Oh God, you can only hope so. Right. I mean, it's just so it's so sick and sad of what. Of what I'm wit- what you're witnessing every day when it comes to this stuff is right. just over and over again, and then so many different and so many different politicians just stoking the flames, man. Right. Just stoking it. They're not they're not trying to solve anything. Again, it's it. Look, anybody that's reasonable and rational is completely marginalized at this point. Yeah. That there is if you're reasonable and rational and and can no come one wants up with to a, hear that. No, not only does nobody want to hear it, both sides will end up attacking you. Right. 
if you look at what's if you look at what goes what's going on with Israel right now. Oh, that's a prime example. It's yeah. a great example because you have certain people that will come out and say things that when I'm sitting there listening to it, I'm thinking, "Well, that sounds completely rational and reasonable." Yeah, that sounds like a moderate take. Yeah, yeah, and and, and it's like you're evil on both sides. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One side says you support open air prisons. The other side says you're anti-Semitic. Right. Like, and it's it's. You know, and nobody wants to go down the history of the whole thing either. Right. Like nobody wants to go down the history. And it, it, like the Israeli literally 5,000 years of people fighting over that t- that land. It's yeah. it's been it's been controlled by pretty much every civilization in Europe, Africa, and Asia at yeah. some point or another. You know, it's just it, it's insane. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Why are we even still having this this discussion? I mean, you would think this would have been settled long ago. I don't think anybody wants it settled, though. I think I've come to the I've I've come to the part now where I'm looking at everything going on on both sides, and I'm like, you all don't want this to end. No, they want to kill each other. That's really like you. Each one wants the other side out, and if you look at both of their charters, not just out, eliminated, eradicated. Yeah, to where I mean, they don't say that publicly, but that's what they want. Ah, but they allude to it publicly, right? Yeah, like there's some alluding to some of this stuff, and instead of and again it's again it's both of them and and you know a lot of people will get mad at you for like for having what they would call like moral relativism right and there's not a moral relativism here other than to say what's wrong with moral relativism there's not but there's there's not one that's so good and one that's so bad right like there there are there are things going on with both of them that need to get fixed and i again i don't even know how you do it I, i've no I, i'm not coming with any solution to this there is no solution but i will somebody's got to win i've been saying it since it started but hold on but one of the solutions is is that we don't have the solution exactly and so we need to get the fuck out that is the bottom line we got no business being involved in any way shape or form and unfortunately the u.s government and the u.s media and the u.s you know, uh, popular opinion, the acceptable opinion in this country is that we have to support Israel no matter what. You well, know? but the, but hold on. At the same time, the other thing is we got to help the people in Gaza. So right now, we're not Israel, doing a lot of that. Well, no, we are, though. Oh, yeah. How so? Like, I'm, I'm, if you look over the past years is what I'm saying. Oh, oh, yeah. But not not since, uh, you know, October 7th. Well, I mean, we're still trying to get resources and, and you yeah, know, we're, we're, like trying we're to still get, working on it. Yeah, we're working I mean, on it. Again, it's, not as, it's gone down a little bit. You're look, absolutely right. But here's the thing. It's going to ramp right back up again. If the U.S. wanted to end the current situation, we could end the current situation, but we don't want to. We Look, the back channel um, position of the U.S. government is to let Israel do what they want to do in Gaza and try to make it look like we're not yeah yeah they want to they're 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 uh walking the they're walking a, they're on definitely the fence on this a, one yeah definitely walking well here's the, the thing road. though so th- what we've done as a country is this we've given israel billions of dollars that they've used for uh, among other things things that are going to bomb gaza right and then we give gaza money through the un in order to rebuild those places up right <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know how does that make it? I think I could use that money a lot better than either of those two sides are. I, I just, and then the money, you know, we, we get to Gaza side, but, for... But, but know, both sides are saying, like, well, one, you're supporting evil on one side or you're supporting evil on well, the other support, side. We're supporting evil on both sides in this case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> Hamas, evil, 
terrorist organization. That no getting around that, by the way. Rapes, have, have, murders, kidnaps people, innocent civilians, horrible, despicable human beings. Israel, an entire government who is basically shown that their agenda over the past you know, 70 years is to forcibly relocate everyone who's not a Jew. You know, yeah, and kill it, and they don't care about killing uh, innocent civilians. I mean, again, they they bombed another hospital uh, just last week. Eighty uh, eighty uh, civilians killed. You know, yeah, but Hamas was under there. Well, maybe so, but you know, what justifies killing intentionally killing? Yeah, like here's the civilians, and here's the thing though: how many more terrorists are you creating with every bomb? Right, right. Like if your goal is to get rid of Hamas. In one aspect, no, you're never going to be able to do that. That's their public goal. Their private goal is to remove every single Palestinian from Gaza and make it part of Israel. That's really what they're doing. I mean, it's here's the thing. I mean, that's why the forced migration from the northern half of Gaza to the southern half. And now they're starting to hit the southern half. Now, they did this this uh, pause, this this temporary truce uh, for a prisoner exchange, you know, hostage exchange, and they gave back some Palestinian, uh, you know, people who were uh, Palestinians who were imprisoned, and they got some hostages back. Um, but, uh, you know, as soon as that part's done, as soon as that's over, it's, you know, they're just going to keep moving south. You know, they're they're driving everybody until the, the, the floodgates in Egypt have to open. Yeah. No, and Egypt is the one that's going to get stuck with all these people, and by proxy us, because we're eventually going to end up paying the you know the majority of the bill. No, we, we always do. We always do. Yeah, we always it's, do. That's like our place in the world, you know. It, and it's just it's it's just amazing what we're witnessing going on over here right now with with everything in Israel. Like it's and again it's it's one of these things where look, you can disagree with people protesting with people you know i mean right look riots and destruction of property is one thing but if you're just out protesting saying that you know you're looking out for the needs of the palestinian people or whatever right you can't just label all of those people terrorists or terrorist sympathizers right because there's a lot of people suffering over there there's a lot of women and children being killed the ones that you were mad about when it was the israelis doing it or when it was Hamas doing it, the same thing. They're still dead right. at the end of the day. And there's still going to be people that care. And if you don't show any humanity in that aspect, how are you going to expect humanity on the other side? Yeah. Yeah. I, it, and that's the thing. Both sides have lost their humanities. Both sides see the other as, as subhuman. And when you get to that point, there there can be no peace. Um, not for a generation. At least not until... Uh, you know, the the people there start having empathy uh, for one another. And it, you don't do that through killing each other. It's it's just not going to happen, especially the way things are happening now. Yeah, so. we, you know who we need? We need Steve Wynn. Steve Wynn? Yeah. Wynn Casinos? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because you know what? There's If there's anybody that can convince these motherfuckers in Gaza that what they're sitting on would be the jewel of the man. <laughs> right. Make to the make this Monaco. place into casinos in Monaco and stuff, it I, would be those guys. I like your thinking, man. I like your thinking. Well, folks, uh, that is it for hour number one. If you'd like to join us in hour number two, go to patreon.com forward slash unattended baggage. Sign up. Become a subscriber. You get an, at least an extra hour of content each week. And we've got a bunch of stuff that we didn't get to uh, that we're going to cover in the second hour plus you get a bunch of swag including a autographed copy of my book the cassandra trigger a anarchist guild challenge coin a this is not a bomb duffel bag and some other goodies so uh, like i said patreon.com and we'll see you on the other side have a good one.